landscaping your backyard has always been something that the average homeowner kind of thinks like, I could probably do this myself with a little bit of hand holding. And if I knew where to go to get the place mm-hmm. and the things yep. and the information. And so that's what Sean and his family decided to do when they started the Rusty Shovel. And this is the story of that business. This is The Other 18. Dive in as we sit down with inspirational leaders who share their origin stories about the highs and lows, the yeses and nos, the wins and the blows of entrepreneurship. Welcome to The Other 18 with your hosts, Shane Chapman and Bryce Walanyuk. Welcome to The Other 18 with Bryce and Shane and Sean Steffen from the Rusty Shovel is joining us today. Would you consider yourself to be an inspirational leader? Well, you guys just made it so. Yes. <laughs> We've made it official. If you hadn't before. There was a question about it now you before, know. and now now it's official. You apparently checked the boxes. Yeah. Like, we were like, what do they need to be? Uh, inspirational and leader-like? Sean. <laughs> like, Does Sean fit those? That was the ah. first, first name you thought of. Right, yeah. I was like, he'll be the easiest one to get to say yes and come over here. <laughs> he'll, like, he'll do it. He's going to stop by at some point anyway. We can loop him into this really easy. So Sean is here. He is the owner of the Rusty Shovel Landscape Shop in Regina. And uh, you've been doing this gig for a number, about a decade, I think, or so. Like, it's yeah. been around. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the meat about the business and learn all the details, tell us a little bit about yourself, personally, your family life, um, what you enjoy doing. I know these things. But the listeners don't. The listeners don't. Yes. So um, I am a young man in the, uh, (laughs) considering that I've been doing this for, uh, I think about 13, 13, 13 years I've been, uh, I've been doing this and I'm uh, just, just turned 35. So pretty much my, uh, my life since we've, uh, or since I got out of school has been in business. So um, we've, uh, I'm married with three kids, uh, soon to be 11, nine and six. I thought you were going to say soon to be 11 11 kids. kids. No, no, no. Got some plans How did that happen? Yeah, no, that's looked after. Uh, (laughs) So we've got, uh, yeah, so we've got the uh, boy and two girls. So we spend a lot of time at hockey rinks, uh, figure skating competitions, dance, um, all that sort of thing. And on the golf course. So uh, your business partner, Wade, and I like to uh, play golf together. Um, And uh, yeah, try and try and do that. That's kind of how I grew up. I grew up uh, living on golf courses. My dad was uh, involved in, in golf course business for uh, for a number of years, uh, probably 15 years or something like that growing up. So grew up in the golf business and has just been kind of around uh, entrepreneurship for pretty much my whole life. And, and that just kind of you know, led to going to business school and kind of stumbling into, into this. So, so you did go to school and you got a degree from U of R here. U of R, okay. um, yep. So I've got, uh, a, Oh, what is it? A BBA bachelor's of business administration with a marketing, uh, major, I guess. Okay, and, cool. uh, at the same time I got a, uh, I took all my electives in economics. So I've got a economics certificate as well. So that, wow. uh, the BBA it, with a major in marketing, that's, that's the thing that it's, it's an eight year program. That's the one. Oh, that's your, that's the that's one. The, that that's the Shane. Uh, eight, was it eight Shane years Chapman for you uh, program? I did mine in three and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. He well, shaved time. Like, <laughs> if we average this table out. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of years here. Five. I don't have a business degree. Well, you, there's, it's never too late, Bryce. <laughs> 
Um, where did you grow up? You live in Lumsden now. Yeah, uh, yeah, just so just outside Craven. of Lumsden in in, uh, in Craven. So Lumsden is kind of the home base area. But uh, we actually actually was born in Regina. Uh, we moved to Emerald Park uh, when I was four. Um, went to school there until after grade ten, and then uh, we moved to Deer Valley and ended up finishing high school in in Lumsden and and just fell in love with the with the town so that was you know played senior hockey there and and just have you know some of my best friends uh, from from there and and that was kind of you know what we wanted to get back to for our family was we we really liked the community out there we liked the valley setting and and just wanted to we 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 just really like the sense of community that uh, that the small town has and and you know when you're when you're going to the grocery store going to the rink or or walking downtown or whatever you've you know the people that are around mm-hmm. and people are looking out for other people's kids and and all that kind of small town saskatchewan uh, jazz so that's uh you know that's that's where we went back to we had a kind of a five-year stint back in regina during university and just after university and then once our kids were getting old enough to go back to school we decided to move back out uh, we've got an acreage just uh at kind of at the south tip of last mountain lake um uh, oh, okay. just just past uh, just past craven so um yeah so a little bit of a, a jaunt in in and out of the city every day but gives me a chance to listen to podcasts like this and that's right. so uh, i'm i'm happy that you guys are are doing this because it gives me something uh, you know another local piece of content to be able to uh, listen to on that 25 minute drive every day yeah you'll have to uh, find another way to get to regina and make that trip a little bit longer now <laughs> hit yeah. some gravel roads it's in the there way and back there and back yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Full day podcast. Um, now you said you finished your degree in record time, and then <laughs> record <laughs> standard to me standard to record time. Unbelievable, like unfathomable <laughs> how you could do that. But uh, did you have any jobs coming out of university before you got into the family biz? Or well, I mean, I I've, I've been working. I worked at golf courses like starting when I was eleven. Like just just bef- the summer before I turned twelve, I started like picking range balls and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I remember my first paycheck I think was ninety three dollars, and I was just over the moon. Like that was the <laughs> most money in the world <laughs> at that time. So in um, January, it's still a lot, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So seasonal businesses. Yeah, right. you know, and I think. Um, you know, just just looking back, I was I was always the you know I was always the kid that was just trying to stay trying to stay busy, right? Like right. whether it was uh, sports, I was into pretty much any sport that you could get into, whether it was you know golf, badminton, volleyball, hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a little bit of basketball, uh, not Shane Chapman uh, uh, caliber of basketball, but uh, he's lost his ago. edge. I'm going to tell you now. We have a basketball <laughs> hoop up here, and get real. You saw me nail. <laughs> that fade away earlier from the corner of the office one <laughs> you did one shot I was 100% until I took the next shot yeah and then you took three more <laughs> So, you know, so, so doing, uh, doing all that, all that type of stuff for sports and being on like student leadership council and, and like I was in one act plays and musicals and, and just basically Jeez, whatever, please. whatever I could get involved with, that was, that was my jam was just like, uh, you know, the extracurricular stuff. So I was always, I was always busy. And, and when I got to university, it was like this shock cause you'd go to school for like three hours a day. And yeah. I'm like what, what is going on? So I was, I helped coach my, br- I've got 
a younger brother, um, three years younger than me, uh, helped coach his hockey team, helped, went back, helped, uh, coach high school volleyball team that first year, uh, university was, was doing, doing a bunch of different stuff. And, and then, uh, as, as my degree kind of carried on, my, my dad, um, was out of the golf business and, and started a, a marketing consulting company that was, that was, uh, you know, just, just him, uh, doing, you know, he had a, say a dozen clients or something like that, that he was doing mm-hmm. work for and, and he needed some help. So, um, kind of my third year university, um, I spent two years, uh, working at golf courses out in Kananaskis. Um, and then we decided not to go back because we had a, we had to sign a year lease on an apartment in, in Regina. So we, we stuck around, but I, I couldn't find a job. Nobody would, nobody would give me a job, uh, for, for the summer. And so my dad was like, you know, I got some, I got some stuff that I could, I could use. So there was a lot of research that he needed done on, you know, online marketing programs. This is like 2006 ish. Um, you know, so, so I started really researching a lot of that stuff for him and putting programs together. Um, you know, like how, how we could put programs together for use with, with clients and, and Mm. that sort of thing. And so I was working from, uh, from home part-time for him while I was going to school. And so that's how I finished, uh, you know, a half semester or a semester early, I guess, than my, than my four-year track was took a couple of, you know, spring and summer, uh, classes just to, just to get finished a little bit earlier because I was, I was working at the same, at the same time. And so that kind of carried through for, about uh, two years after after university, and then um, there was there was an opportunity where you know we had these programs that would help businesses generate leads and and communicate with their customers and and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But it was like early days of of the internet and online marketing where it was it was kind of tough to convince people that this was the thing that they needed to do. Yeah. Um, and the consultancy world's very tough because the people that need your services the most usually have the least ability to pay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, that was really tough. So we were always, we were always kind of talking like, you know, if we, if we just had, we know this stuff works. If we just had like our own opportunity, our own business to be able to sell something, um, that wasn't necessarily a service, more of a product based, um, we, th- we thought it, we thought it would be very successful. Um, mm. and so that's where getting, involved with my uncle, um, was he, he was a sprinkler installer for 35 years, sold, sold his company, um, and then started, uh, a wholesale business doing irrigation, uh, supply to, um, basically like his old competitors or people like landscapers that he used to subcontract. For. Right. Um, and so it was just kind of like, a, you know, my, they, they don't have any kids. My aunt w- had a few years left before retirement at, uh, uh, Conexus. And, and so he was just kind of doing something to, you know, he was, he was interested in it. Saw, a, saw a need in the market where, um, in Canada, the sprinkler market was really, um, brand specific. So if you were a Rainbird distributor, you, you were the Rainbird distributor and you competed against the Hunter distributor for irrigation. And so it was like, you were either a Rainbird guy or you're a Hunter guy. So if you, it was kind of like a quasi monopoly, um, in Canada and, and in the U S you started seeing 
branches go multi-line. So they would have everything. And so he saw an opportunity to be like, well, I don't need to be aligned with any one brand. Let's bring in a bunch of brands and just give the customer their best bang for their, for their buck. Right. So, um, so, so that was kind of his deal. He was just doing it one man band. He had like, he was actually in the warehouse, uh, like a, a, basically like a closet inside of a warehouse of another business that, that he was doing this out of. And, and so when, you know, just at Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that, we were talking about business as, you know, entrepreneurs do about, you know, what are you doing? What are we doing? And he started like his, his gears started going on, on listening to the things that we were doing to help market companies online. And he said, you know, I think there's an opportunity here. So we put together a business plan for, um, or, or a marketing plan for him to be able to set him up as a client. And, mm-hmm. and he kind of looked at that and said, you know, I think there's, there's a real opportunity here, but we, like, I have no time to, to do any of this stuff. But before we get too far, too much further down that path, just curious, any, of, do you remember any of the companies that you were doing this for back then, aside from your uncle, mm. like you said, you had about 12 clients that you were kind of helping. Are they still around? Is anybody flourishing now? Do you remember? Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's a couple of restaurants in, in town. So like the, you know, the, the diplomat steakhouse is a, is a, uh, restaurant that we worked with. They were, you know, probably, probably my favorite client to work with. Um, and, and what uh, were you doing? Were you doing like online stuff for them or was it more just kind of general? Yeah, marketing so, or? so it was kind of a hybrid, right? So we put together, we had a, we had a program for restaurants where, uh, we were helping to build up their customer list and just helping them communicate through email and, and put mm-hmm. together programs to get people to come back more often, spend more when they do and, and, right. and that sort of thing. Right. And so, um, you know, the McCreese families, uh, uh, you know, they've been in the restaurant business in Regina for, a, for a really long time and, and have a really great product. And, um, we just needed to get people back there more and, and, and help them kind of, kind of grow. And it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was a very good relationship that way. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had some other, um, some other clients, like there was, there was one client that was actually trying to create uh, a uh, one call, like this is before like smartphones, right? They're still on flip phones. So it's like, yeah. it was uh, uh, using the 310 dialing system um, to be able to call a taxi anywhere in, in Canada. Oh, wow. Um, so we were, we were helping with, with that kind of thing. And, and, and that's, that's Uber now. Yeah, Uber. yeah, exactly. well done. Like you, <laughs> congratulations. Talk about yeah. a launch pad. Yeah. So now we're just selling landscape supplies for fun. <laughs> so yeah, um, but uh, but quickly, you know, very quickly, we we saw this opportunity with the, you know, with the sprinkler side, with uh, you know, and then and then two years into that. So like 08, we, we started an online company, which everybody gets a good chuckle out of was called sprinkler daddy. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, I've been waiting for this moment yeah. since we started making the list of who we were going to ask yeah. you on here. Yeah. 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 So that's um, going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The so, original sprinkler daddy. But it was, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was just, uh, you know, a, a bootstrap marketing thing. So, so my, you know, so we created this company that was essentially just a marketing company because what we were doing was generating leads online, um, through, you know, 
stuff like this content uh, content creation. We did uh, you know a lot of YouTube how to videos, and, yep. and so in in 2000, uh, 2008, 2009, that got a lot of traction and generated a lot of a lot of leads. And and we built a built a system for you know just managing that customer journey through from quote to um, or lead generation to quote to fulfillment, and uh, built that out. And it's still the same system that we use um, today. So you were selling online at that time too? People could actually like- Yeah, people could go online, but it was like with, with sprinklers, it's, uh, the value is in is is less in the commodity like we our whole our whole business model and the and the thing that i believe in is it's got to be a service on top of a product so mm-hmm. so we we offer uh design service for you know similar to you guys with with decks right so yeah. somebody somebody wants they they have their yard they know what they need to irrigate but they don't know how to do it right so that when you put it all in the ground is it going to work properly the sprinklers are going to pop up are they going to cover all that sort of thing? So um, we would do get people to submit their yard plans. We would do the design and then price it out as a package, mm. right? So it's it's less focused on okay, well here's our individual price for this head and this nozzle and this valve and this controller, and okay, so including the design and the and the material package, it's going to be twelve hundred bucks. And it's right. shipped to you with instructions and and ready to ready to go, so that a homeowner can actually do it. And so, I didn't have the technical knowledge other than like you know when I was a kid in grade seven or eight or whatever when you had your uh, take your kid to work day. Um, I already knew what my dad did because I actually worked with my dad at that at that time at the right. golf course, right? Like that was my hangout, so I I knew everything that there was uh, for for with him, and so my uncle took me out and we did sprinkler blow. And so I, that, that was like my, my basic start to the, to the industry and like going out that, I, I think I probably looked at that and said, well, I'm never doing this for a living. That was, that was probably the, <laughs> that the, is the least. Yeah. That's the least, uh, uh, like stay in school kids. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, but then as you, as you get into it, like it's a, it's a very cool industry. And so I just, I think, you know, as, as something for, uh, when I, when I look at people that are very successful in, um, you know, in, in business or in life in general, I think it's curious people that, that mm-hmm. are, that end up being the most successful because they, they dig into stuff. They, they see something and they, and they want to, they want to find out, well, how does that work? And, and why is this like it is? And could we do it differently? And, and they, they kind of go down rabbit holes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really what, what I did with the, with the sprinkler company was like, it was, it was scary, very, very scary getting into the industry when, when you didn't know the answers to the questions. Right. So like, oh, yeah. you know, when I, when we started the company, like I barely knew where the water came from to, to run a sprinkler <laughs> system. And then, but, but really what it, what it uh, came down to was I just, you know, I was fortunate that I had an uncle that was, that was willing to uh, invest the time in, in showing me how all this stuff worked. And he mm-hmm. had the, you know, he, he put in his dues as a contractor to be able to learn all this stuff and, he was willing to invest that time and share it with me so that I had the technical knowledge. And, and I think just, you know, I, I had a general interest in it, um, to like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do something, I want to know about it. Right. I I don't want to be faking my way through it. So to start with, yeah, it was a little bit of faking your way through it, but anytime somebody would 
ask a question, you quickly learn, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find out. And then right. you get the same questions enough. And, and so I would go, I would, I would ask the question, I would get the answer and I would film a YouTube video in my basement with, you know, with, with that. Right. So I was building mm -hmm. that catalog and then all of a sudden I'm the expert. You know, and, and yeah. for, like, I think for, for a period of probably two years, you know, I was the expert. I'd never installed the sprinkler system before. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. um, you know, until I installed my own at, at my own house, but, uh, um, you know, and, and then that branched into, so two years of doing that and, and that's when the housing boom was kind of going. And so in, mm -hmm. in late 2009, that's when we decided to open the, open the retail store together. So I stopped kind of doing the consulting thing. My dad had an opportunity to get into another, uh, another business at that time. So it just made sense to kind of split it off, kind of wind it down a little bit. So and when your uncle started the wholesale irrigation supplies out of a closet back in 2000. 2002. 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was doing it for a full eight years or so until you guys decided to to pivot a little bit and approach this a little, little bit differently together. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then and then that's kind of where it where it took off. So like our combined, you know, our combined sales when we when we kind of put it together, um, you know, as of 2009, um, we we doubled that within. I don't know, two years of opening the store. So when you say combined sales, the stuff that you were doing online was kind of separate. That was yours was two, and your it father's It was two companies. Entity? Yeah, two companies. Oh, okay. So, so he was, was separate. Yeah, so he was basically, my uncle was selling wholesale to us and we would mark I it see. up to retail and, and sell it at, at retail. Gotcha. Right? gotcha. Um, okay. And so um, then after that, that was like, he, he was getting, my uncle was getting busy on the contract like with his, with his wholesale side selling to contractors. So um, I was like the second year that we were doing it, I was almost double dipping. Right. So I was running the company as a, like as a customer of his, but then he had me hired as a helper. So like he would help me when nobody was in the shop, he would help me with design and quotes. And then when customers came in, I was helping him pick orders and, mm -hmm. and write up invoices and stuff like that. So. so it was 2010 when you guys moved, you mo physically moved out of the closet to set up a retail space. Yes. Okay. And that's where you are right now. So that building? Same Correct. spot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And change of name then? Yes. So, so basically like, you know, that's the confusing line of, of branding. Like we got ourselves into a scenario where it's like, okay, we, we have a, you know, rain pro supply is the wholesale, uh, the wholesale name and yep. company. We have sprinkler daddy, which is the online portion Great and name. neither of them really speak to the thing that we were trying to do. So irrigation was still going to be the core of our business, but if we were going to open the store, irrigation wasn't going to cover everything that we needed. So we needed mm -hmm. to get into more landscape stuff and we needed to get away from just, uh, uh, contractors and open up to the retail uh, homeowner traffic as well um, right. to be able to cover the extra in or the not the extra inventory but the extra overhead of having a physical location and and staff and and all that sort of thing. Did that feel like a big risk or leap at the time when you guys decided to do this thing together, or was it more of just kind of a smooth natural progression into it where it just felt like it was the right thing to do and you didn't feel like it was super risky? Well, I mean. Yeah, it, it felt risky at the time. I mean, I think I was young enough that it was, I was a little bit naive on, you know, what the costs were involved with it because, mm -hmm. you know, I had, I had basically 10% of the company 
as a like essentially a signing bonus to come over um, and join the and join the company and have some skin in the game of the success because it was gonna yeah. it, you know in a in a bootstrap startup it was gonna be you know more more time put in than you know, what I was going to get paid for on an hourly basis. Mm. So there needed to be that carrot to help kind of grow it. Um, so that was, that was there. But I mean, as far as the financing portion of it, like that was, you know, my, my uncle had already built up inventory and, and, and that sort of thing. So, but there was some, you know, I, I think, yeah, there was, there was definitely some, um, some question marks that we had, but at the same time, like the economy at that point, like the, the housing market in Regina was going crazy. Right. So there was, there was no place really that, um, like what gave us the confidence was a lot of our contractors were, were turning down, like their phone was ringing nonstop and they were, they were just telling people, Oh, just, just go to, you know, go to the box store, go to Home Depot, go to Rona, just get product there and, and put it in yourself. Right. So we saw that there was an opportunity. Um, and then similar to what we did with the, like with what my uncle did with the uh, sprinkler stuff is that, you know, Regina is, you know, it's a small market and, things get here a little later than, than most places. Right. Cause we're, right. you know, with, with, it, especially in the supply business, because when you look ge- uh, geographically, like at where, you know, where the big markets are in Canada, they're out East in Ontario and out West in BC, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the same thing in the US. So major manufacturing is done, you know, East Coast, West Coast, South. And so there's a big, not only is there nothing here, but like manufacturing is not a huge thing all around us underneath of us, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's just this kind of natural gap in the in the market um, where, you know, we would go to trade shows and and see all the different products that are available from you know lighting and water features and and there was just nobody doing that here, and so we saw an opportunity to grow just by adding product lines and and selling those to our existing customer base so that they could grow their businesses as well um, on the contractor side and then giving homeowners access to, you know, professional grade products that they, yeah. they just couldn't find. So really, you know, it's uh, like, I, I think, um, I, I think I remember you saying that Shane somewhere along the line in, in something that I listened to about like you saying, I thought that I had to like invent something to become an entrepreneur and, mm-hmm. and you can also just find something that already exists that just isn't here and bring that to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of like, I, I, I took that and I thought that that was a very, uh, a very smart statement because I, I often think about like, well, if somebody, if somebody came and, you know, offered me 10 million bucks for the rusty shovel, I would take it, <laughs> but then, but then yes. it's like, well, well, you know, I'm 35 years old. Like, what would I do? And, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say what I would, what I would do or even what industry it would be in. But I think it would be along those lines of just finding something that is, is great somewhere else and, and bring it here. Mm. I feel I, like that's the coolest part of Regina is that like, there's so little here that you can bring anything here and it it could do better as long as it's a good product, right? 
Yeah. Or like a it's, test it's like, market. Kind of, right? It's like a decent size enough market that most things can fly here. Yeah. But it's also like it's small enough and, and maybe not um, Saskatchewan as a whole, maybe not as progressive as some of the larger centers that there isn't there isn't a ton of people out there driven to bring new things in mm-hmm. like here, right? Because I mean, you, you see these things that we get excited about. You know, six, eight years ago, everybody got excited. There's trampoline parks here. Well, that wasn't a new thing. Nope. I was like, somebody saw that somewhere and brought it here, right? There's Olive Garden here. We waited for 30 years for oh, Olive right? Garden. Olive Garden. People Whatever it is. It. But it's like, it's rare that something starts in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. There's stories of it, obviously. But a lot of times it's stuff that's brought here and there's a potential. And there's like, that's, it's easier than inventing something and, and making it work here and then going out. Right. So, right. Um, back, you mentioned back in when you guys first started a bunch of box store names, was there any local competitors that you guys were up against or was it just those box stores? You were? Um, so, so there was some, there were some local competitors, but they were like that had some stores, but they were also contractors. Right. So, right. Uh, so okay. where, where our, you know, we always, the channel conflict thing is something that I think about quite, quite a bit. Um, because I, I don't think that you can be all things to all people. Like if, right. if you, if you want to like, if you're a manufacturer and you want to build a dealer network, you can't be selling direct to consumer and expect that your dealer network is still going to continue as strong as, as it was, you could mm-hmm. still have a dealer network, but it's, it, you, you can't be surprised when your dealer network stops supporting you because you're cutting them out. Do you, so that's an interesting like fork in the road here, but we're seeing that more and more. Are, are you seeing that a lot right now? Are a lot of your manufacturers looking for that direct to consumer, uh, model now? And then how do you feel about that? Well, I think our, our industry is, is very freight intensive, right? So it's very difficult to do paving stone direct to consumer because you got to ship 88,000 pounds at a time to be competitive. So, um, it, uh, so less so, but like on the irrigation side, like, yeah, there's some websites that are like, you know, selling, selling product that I sell at like, you know, a 10% margin. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's, there is definitely, you know, some of that stuff happening. Um, but I would say that's been a key to our success is finding out which, uh, you know, which suppliers like vet your suppliers, right? Like they, um, just because they'll sell to you doesn't mean that it's the right fit. You have to figure out what their right. go-to-market mm-hmm. strategy is as well and, and find the right fit. So like we have, we have companies like, you know, like Aquascape is one of my favorite suppliers. They do sell direct to consumer, but they have a program where they actually, um, use a fulfillment site so that if there's a sale made on their website, it goes out to distributors in that area to That's be good. able to fulfill like a drop shipper yeah. kind of and and they'll sell like they do sell a few select items on amazon or whatever but they're um you know so but it's it's limited SKUs, and there's so you can work around that stuff right where where we like we we had one uh one company that was selling to or that that we were into quite a while ago that was like uh, finished cedar pergola kits, um, and like privacy panels and, Mm -hmm. and different things. And, you know, so, so we, it was through a manufacturer's rep that we already dealt with, um, seemed like a good fit. We trusted the rep. We, we brought this stuff in. Then the company 
does some shady things where they like close out one company, sell the assets to another company to get them at a lower price and then flood the market into Home Depot's with this product at a lower price point. So Home Depot's now selling their stuff and advertising it on their website at a basically at my cost. And so, and I'm sitting on, and I'm sitting on a pile of inventory, right? Right. So those types of things, you're just like, okay, well, that's fine. I just will never do business with you again. Right. And so now, now their go to market strategy is they sell through Costco online and Home Depot online Mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing. Right. And so it's like, and that's a choice. If, if, if going through independent distributor, like, you know, like us wasn't going to do the trick, then they do need to find other ways of going. And, but, but just don't get mad when I'm not your customer anymore. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're starting to see that too. I'm I'm sure everybody that sells anything is seeing that to some degree because that whole direct to consumer model and using the internet is obviously flourish, especially with this yep. whole like worldwide shutdown thing, getting paid even more attention to, but we're seeing that same thing too, where some suppliers are starting to do that. And it just, it does create a bit of an odd relationship when, especially when they decide to run some sort of sale and then your customers are coming to you and asking you to price match the company that you're buying the product from to sell to the customer. It's, it's like crazy. How, what the hell, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Right? Like you go back to the guys and like, you're, you're screwing me here. Mm-hmm. You can offer 20% off because you have 70% margins. Cause you, yeah. like you've got the wholesale margin, Yeah, but I don't have that. You're basically giving all my margin away on these sales. Mm-hmm. And then I have people wanting to price match it. Like how, how do you want me to feel about this? Yeah. <laughs> and so, or selling it through a website. Like, uh, like a lot of people don't understand how, how a lot of these companies work. So like a company like Costco or a company like Home Depot or a company like, you know, before they went out of business, like Sears, they would like, because they were so big and they had so many eyeballs on them, they could dictate the terms to the manufacturers. And so they would say, okay, here's, here's what we're going to sell your product at. And here's what we need you to sell it to us for. Oh, and by the way, you're going to warehouse that for us and ship it on demand with no prepaid freight minimums. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, they could sell something at a, you know, at a 10 or 15% margin because they have no overhead. It's a page on a, on a website and a credit card fee that they're, that they're taking. Right. But like, if I'm going to take inventory on something and handle it, store it, uh, risk damage to it, handle all the returns, all that sort of thing, like that same, that same structure doesn't work. Yeah. And so that just comes back to the, like, there is a model in which that, that works, but you can't have both and, and expect them to be successful. Right. Mm-hmm. I was in a, a weird situation last January. I got invited down um, to one of our vendors, one of our manufacturers to speak at their national sales conference because of our podcast, whatever was the reason, right. not because of the store necessarily. But um, so I was there and I did my speech with the president to the, all these salespeople. And just before me, however, just before I spoke was their new VP of marketing. She was like, she was a week into the job. And fresh. She was fresh, fresh, but she was like, in listening to her for 15 minutes, I was like, this, this lady, like, she's awesome. She's mm-hmm. like, she's going to go places with this company or take this company places with her, I should say. Um, but one of her big things was like, we're pushing direct consumer. We should be selling on Amazon. We need to get these things set up and be selling direct and all this stuff. Oh. I'm sitting in the crowd as the next guy speaking, being like, don't what? <laughs> hey, like over here. Remember the guy you guys flew down here to talk at your thing? Like, right? What you're saying is like directly going to impact me and kind of screw me. I don't. 
blame you for wanting to chase that model, but like mm-hmm. be aware of your dealer networks too, because that's how you got here. You are nothing, especially in this industry without a dealer network at this point in time. Yeah. And so you got to be careful of those things. So it's definitely an interesting, uh, interesting shift in Dilemma. the paradigm that's happening right now. Yeah. And I think, I think it's different what, you know, if you're selling t-shirts versus building supplies, because, yeah. you know, in, in, in certain th- you know, or, or something that requires, you know, and, and, and that's, that's what I think has insulated us is, is our ability to, again, marry that service on top of the product, because you can buy mm-hmm. the pro like you can, you can go and you can find product. You're always going to be able to find product for cheaper, Yep, but if especially on the do it yourself side, like what are you going to do with that product? And, and then the after, you know, the after service stuff, like, you know, I have, I have a few friends that own, uh, you know, pool and hot tub stores in, in Regina here. And, and uh, you know, every year there's, well, not COVID years, but every other year there's, you know, these, these guys that come in with, you know, six semi loads of hot tubs and have a weekend blowout sale where they're selling it next to nothing out of Everaz place. And people are like, Oh, well, I can go save a thousand bucks on a hot tub i'm gonna go save a thousand bucks on a hot tub and then when it you know when it's new year's eve and your heater goes on your on your hot tub you're calling the local guy to service it and mm-hmm. you know you're now you're upset because he doesn't rush out to service the hot tub that you didn't buy from him right yeah so i think you know consumers need to need to like but you can't blame consumers consumers are going to want to say like they some people just don't buy that way right like i see if, if i'm going to buy a deck i'm not going to come to the ultimate deck shop because you're the cheapest um, and I think because of that, there's a perception that you're expensive yep. and, and that's the same thing. Like I, I had a, I had a guy that, uh, so we sponsored a, a golf event mm-hmm. and I, and I had a guy come and ask me about like, okay, we laid our pavers. We need some of that sand that goes into the joints. Oh yeah. That's polymeric sand. Okay. Well, you know, like how, how much do I need and, and how much is that going to be? I said, well, you'll probably need two bags. And I, I don't know, like you'll, you'll ask for our smart sand. That's the brand that you want for your application. And I don't know, it's probably around $40 a bag. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm on the eighth hole of a golf, (laughs) but it's, it's probably around 40 bucks. Um, and, uh, okay, great. And so after the round, he asked me, so, so where, where do I get that stuff? Where do I go to get that stuff? I said, well, you come to my store. Like that's, I, I have, well, but, but yours is going to be really expensive. So like, where do I go where, where I, if I don't want to spend that much money? And I was like, well, we're talking about like 80 bucks. You needed two bags yeah, right? of a $40 product. Um, like, I don't know how much, and we're at an event that I'm sponsoring. <laughs> and, and, but like, that's, that's just like, that's ingrained in some people. Right. And so yeah. like, it's, you know, you, you can get, you can get super worked up about that type of comment and, and he, he won't think anything, you know, like he, right. uh, anything of it. Um, but I think there's enough people that do see value because if you do have like, you know, I'm a consumer that I want to have a guy, like I'm, I'm busy. 
if if something goes wrong with something that I bought, I want to have a guy. You just want to phone know? that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like somebody that you can trust that's going to be, you know, that's going to be fair, that's going to give you a good price. Like I want to have somebody that's, you know, whether it's my mechanic or my, you know, my handyman or mm-hmm. my, you know, like whatever. I want I want to have that to to be able to fall back on because I don't I don't have that much time to be able to go and search everything out. Mm-hmm. I'm a busy guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just take a step back. When you and your uncle decided to go into business together and kind of merge your companies to launch the Rusty Shovel, that was the name from day one of, yeah. of that entity. Did you guys put together a formal business plan? This is always the thing with people that are starting out and be like, everybody get, they get told that they need a business that plan, usually from it, the yeah. bank. Yeah. And there's always people on both sides. It's like, sure, I kind of had some stuff written down. Would I call it a formal business plan? No. How did you guys approach it? Yeah, no, there was definitely not a business plan. <laughs> there was there was definitely not a business plan. What's your plan, attitude so. towards business plans now having marched that path? Well, I think I think business planning is uh, is crucial and right. super important. But business plans as far as like, you know, opening up dusting off a, a textbook that you went to in, in university for those eight years. Um, <laughs> if you, you know, if you dust that off and you say, okay, I need an executive summary. Well, what is an executive summary? Like, I think that's just a waste of time. Like you're right, just yeah. like, just to go through and check off boxes, force it into some boilerplate, is, yeah. you know, is, is terrible. But I, th- I think business planning is, is, you know, if you don't do that on an ongoing basis, you can't mm. do a plan and just like, okay, we're done. Plans there. Everybody right. just go do it. <laughs> yep. Like it's, it's changing on an ongoing basis. Right. So like, I, th- I think, you know, you talk about the ups and downs of, of business. Um, you know, our, our business has grown every single year except for one in the 13 years that I've been doing this year over year. Wow. Um, and the one year that we didn't grow was, uh, we, we missed it by 1% and it was after we grew 55% top line the year before. <laughs> so like, w- w- you know, we're, we're, we're doing okay, but on the profit end, it's, uh, it, it, started to decline, started to go the other way. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and not just on a percentage basis, like on real dollars, we were, we were doing, you know, exponentially more sales, but we weren't keeping much. And so right. in, Oh, I'd probably say, you know, so, so that down year was probably 2016. And in by 2018, I had to say, I need, I need help. Like mm-hmm. this, this thing is, is kind of, uh, cause we had, we had bought the company out in 2014 and in 2015 we grew at top line 55%. Yeah. So yeah, you and your wife now are yeah. the sole owners of the business. Your uncle is now, is he still kind of advisory? Yeah. So a little he's, bit, but he's not, yeah, owned. he's like, he's, he's, he's like semi-retired. Um, so he, he's now like three, three day a week average in the summertime. Like he does the things that, and that was a good partnership for us because we, you know, he does the, he focuses on the detail stuff that I don't have the patience for, but I recognize is mm-hmm. very important. Right. Um, and I do the big picture, uh, you know, sales, marketing, 
marketing, uh, driving the growth of the business that, um, that he didn't necessarily, like he's, he's probably a little bit more conservative than, than I am. So, so, you know, so we, we, I, I push him and he reins in. And, and I think like the, the, where we came to the sale was like, I didn't feel comfortable because we were in two different stages of life. Right. So at, at, you know, in, in 2014, I'm what, 28, 29 years old. Um, and my uncle's, you know, 60. Oh yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm, I'm trying to invest into further growth and he's, he's like, he's given me like to his credit, like he didn't put any reins on me at all. As far as like, you know, we got to maximize profit for this one year. Um, that, but I didn't feel comfortable with that because I was basically like letting him sacrifice his, uh, you know, retirement plan essentially for, Mm -hmm. for, for my goals. And, but he, he was taking the financial risk, right? Like if, if we didn't make money or whatever, like that was his risk. So, um, so I, I just wasn't comfortable with that, with that balance. And I saw as we were growing, I was essentially driving the price up on myself. And so Mm. we needed to come to some sort of an agreement sooner than later. And, and, uh, um, so, we did, we did come up with that, uh, um, with that agreement. Um, but, and so after we, after we made that purchase, my, my wife and I bought my aunt and uncle out, um, to which we actually just a couple of weeks ago made the last payment on, on nice. that. And, and wow. like, you want to talk about a physically, like, uh, I've never experienced a physical sense of relief before like that. Like it, like it wasn't like I didn't think we were going to do it, but just like the weight of that was, was actually like driving away from it. Like it was, it was, it was definitely something that was pretty amazing to, that to go amazing. through. That's, that's super awesome. cool. Congratulations on that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now when you guys were sitting down trying to figure out what that number was, was that, were you able to manage that between yourselves? Did you have to bring in a third party to kind of like, analyze things and say like, it's probably, this is probably the real number. Um, well, I think, you know, he was in a position where he didn't have to sell. And so he had a number that he wanted to get to that didn't jive with how I was value valuing the, the company. Right. Um, to the point where I almost walked away from it. Um, because it just didn't seem to make sense. And then the way that we um, arrived at how we were going to bridge that gap between them wanting a number and, and us wanting to pay, uh, you know, fair value for, for what the, you know, what the company was earning mm-hmm. um, was they financed the deal. Um, so, so they were, uh, they vendor financed, uh, I, I came up with a down payment and then the rest of the, uh, the rest of the amount was paid over a period of time. And so, well, I guess you can do the math. I bought it in 2014 and it was paid out in 2020. So mm-hmm. it was a six year deal. And that was, that was kind of ro- all rolled into it. So if I would have had to, you know, take out a loan, there would have been interest tacked on top of that. And so mm-hmm. we just, because we were a family, it, it was, they were, they were willing to take the, you know, take the risk on me and he was going to stay operating inside of the, like, right. Inside of like the company as well. Disappear. Right. So, so he had some, um, 
some risk mitigate mitigation there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how we, you know, we were both able to, to make that number work was that, you know, he said, well, we'll, we'll carry the note essentially and, and finance that. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was something that was, you know, we, but again, that, I was a young guy. I hadn't, I hadn't made any serious money at all. Mm -hmm. Still haven't, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I needed to pay those payments out of the cash flow of the company. Right. And so that, that, you know, that affects your operating capital and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So um, that compounded onto the fact of like trying to figure out like when we were adding product lines in um we when it when our growth kind of exploded in 2015 it was on products that were a different margin structure lower margin structure Mm -hmm. and so those sales dollars were almost inflated if you compare them to what you're keeping with the old sales structure right so now we've got a we've got a more complex product mix and margin mix that made it made it a lot more difficult and so that's uh i actually joined uh after a couple of couple of years of kind of struggling through that myself um i joined a tech group uh executive group um and uh really just started working on my own skills as a Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur and so i've been doing that now i think for probably about three years um and I owe a lot to, to that group. Like just every, it's a, it's once a month we meet, we have a speaker in the morning and we have Mm -hmm. an executive session in the afternoon where you can just kind of hash things out with other business owners and executives and, and that sort of thing. And, and just the, the different tools that you learn and start to implement in your business, you just start spiraling up a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you get some things, you fix some things that are broken and you really start to gain insight as to what drives the business and, and how, like, cause it, it just felt like one big game of whack-a-mole or, you know, like, right. uh, where, where you, you think you solve a problem over here and it just jumps up over there and laughs at you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so tell me a little, cause I'm curious about tech a bit. I've, I'm not a member and I know other people would be as well. What's the, what's the commitment financial? Like, so time-wise it's once a month you're, you're uh, going into these half day meetings, uh, full, full day, day, full day meetings. And do you mind sharing what that costs for somebody to join or is it yeah, variable so, dependent on? Yeah. So different groups are different, uh, different amounts. Um, and it's not cheap. So when I, uh, when I first went, uh, so how I got into it when, when I was in university, um, I met a guy by the name of Paul Martin, not the former prime minister, but, uh, the guy that does, Damn, this is uh, about to take a really interesting <laughs> place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The, uh, uh, the guy that does, uh, the business commentary on, on CGME here locally. Um, okay. and, and uh, so he um, was kind of tasked with creating the shadow board for the local economic development authority for uh, like a youth board that would shadow the main board oh, okay. to create initiatives around how we develop, uh, well, how we develop economic development in, yep. in Regina, right? And so I sat on that board uh, in, in university and, and uh, you know, it was when, when you have like the the list of people that were on the, in that group, they're all either like running companies or like entire divisions and crown corporations or, you know, mm-hmm. government ministries and that sort of thing. And so Paul's kind of like, he's Mr. Saskatchewan. I, I call him because he's like, he just champions uh, Saskatchewan and, and really wants, you know, people like 
people to do well here. And because I was part of that group, he's kind of got a vested interest in like, you know, making, making sure that, uh, you know, that, that, that I'm successful, right. He wants to see me like he, he's kind of, you know, taking a, taking a liking and, and wants to, wants to see, he wants to see people succeed in, in general. But so anyways, long story short, I ended up seeing him one day. I was meeting a client for lunch somewhere and, and I ran into him and and he had had me out for a, a, a group meeting like as a as a trial run and I'm yeah. sitting there in a in a meeting with with guys that are just like just totally out of my league. Like at the time, I think we had just maybe passed them, you know, like a million dollars in sales. And, and, you know, these guys are, you know, 10 million plus companies that, Mm -hmm. that we're, that we're sitting there with. And, and the fees are like $850 a month. And I'm like, I'm making like $4,000 a month before tax. (laughs) Right. And so I'm like, like, and that's, and that's the difference in mindset of like, you're, when you're, when you're a startup and you're small, like you're looking at a business as like your personal income. Mm -hmm. But then once you grow it to a certain point, you have to divorce those two things. It's, it's Mm -hmm. not just like if, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year and you take on a $40,000 expense, if it's the right $40,000 expense, it doesn't mean that you just reduced your income from a hundred to 60, mm-hmm. right? It, as long as you're using it properly. Right. And so that's the same thing with, um, and, and at the time I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. Like my business wasn't in a, in a, at a point where I could actually be gone for a day, like mm. uh, for six months, I was, I wasn't in a position to take every, like uh, the first Friday of every month and, and go work on myself. Like that, that wasn't a thing that I was able to do. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but it, yeah, so it's, it's like, um, you know, that in and around that 850, I think there's, I think there's groups that are probably closer, like they could be double that, right. um, just depending on this, on the scale of, of what, what the group is. Right. But you do find that you're getting enough value out of it that the 850 is completely worth it. Well, in come, come COVID time when we were looking at slashing expenses, <laughs> no, that, that was, was that, no, no, <laughs> no, I was, I was, no, like I was, I was going to find a way to, to, to keep it. Interesting. Be, because the, I think, you know, uh, and, and whether it's, whether it's through a paid group, I think by paying for it and paying a good amount for it, you never miss those. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. I've only missed maybe one or two in three years Yeah, mm-hmm. because you're like, Oh yeah. If I miss that, like I paid a lot of money to not be there. Right. And, yeah, exactly. and, but you also get so much from being there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think by paying the money, it makes you accountable to be invested in, into it and, and actually put it into, put it into practice. Right. So interesting. So to get back to your business, how did that first year go? You guys merged, you opened this retail location, what was the first year like? Was it all roses and like, oh, this was a great idea. We did it, or were there roadblocks? Uh, well, yeah, no, it was a it was a struggle. Like we, I I mean, at least to to start. Like we, I remember I remember the first time that we sold like a water feature. We brought in these like water features that would like have a waterfall coming out of a retaining wall. They lit up and and stuff like that. And we just we thought they were the coolest things. And and my dad. I was showing it to my dad and he was kind of like our first customer. He's like, well, yeah, bring some in. Cause I'll like, I'll buy one at least because right. underneath of his deck, he was building a wall like that mm-hmm. anyways. And he wanted to like, he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So we brought him in and I remember 
like, you know, you're giving your spiel to the customer as they're, you know, looking at the display and, and taking it in and, and they were like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. And I was like, what? <laughs> you like, you want to, I thought, I thought we were just like bringing these in for like decoration on the shelf. Right, oh, exactly. you actually want to like give me money to take one of these home. Yeah. Okay. What do we do now? Yeah. So it's, uh, it was, it was just kind of a, you know, a, definitely a learning curve. And it was like, you know, it's, it's, you're a retail store and a seasonal business. We've never been open a Sunday ever. Um, but it is six days a week and, and we were, you know, our, our hours until recently or until this year actually were, were based on like, well, we're here anyways. So, you yeah, know, like why, open. why are we not open at seven thirty? Cause we're going to be here at five thirty anyways. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it was, a, it was a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's hard running a business starting where you have like your, you have to be on the floor from seven thirty to five thirty to talk to people. But when you're talking to people, you don't get anything done. So yeah. all the things like payroll and ordering and quoting and designing and all that sort of thing, when does that get done? Well, that gets done before and after work. Right. right. So it's like, it's a, uh, if, if your family isn't on board for, for that, like it's, it's a real, it's a real struggle. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, we, we have a very divide and conquer type of, uh, relationship, I would say, um, in, you know, with my, my, my wife and I, but I think that's, you know, that's what you need. You, you need to, like, I need to know that everything at home is taken care of mm-hmm. because, and she needs to know that everything at work's getting taken care of. Right. Right. And so that, uh, you know, that doesn't work for, for everybody. You have to be very committed to the cause Mm -hmm. on, uh, on what that involves because it's, you know, going, you know, getting up at four 30 in the morning, uh, doing, doing quotes, going to work, you know, and you think that you've conquered your day because you're like, Oh yeah, I caught up. I got like from four 30 till six 30. <laughs> I did so much like then, and, and the day hasn't even started. People are just getting w- woken up yep. and then you get to work and you're still at the same place at, at six o'clock when you're locking the door. So you go home, you have supper and then you sit back down on the couch and you do more quotes and, and hammer out more stuff. Right. So it's uh it's a very, taxing thing. Um, and so, but people now where, you know, they, they see, I will, you know, Wade and I will take off for at, at two o'clock to go play golf on a Wednesday. And it's like, Oh yeah, it must be nice to be the boss. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't so nice for the last 15 years. Right. Exactly. I can promise you Wade's not waking up at four 30. No, is it, nor is he doing estimates at seven <laughs> o'clock at night, but <laughs> well, uh, so, so it must be nice to be Wade, but for, for me, <laughs> I, I, I actually had to put work into this. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you need a Shane is what you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is a good segue into the morning routine question. So it, you're getting up at four 30. Is that a every day? Is that your routine? You not get anymore. Up not okay. anymore. Do you have a routine in the mornings? Yeah. So, so for, for, a, for probably a three year span, I would go to the gym every morning at, uh, so I would, I would get up at four forty, and I would, uh, go to the gym, work out at six or 10 to six, um, have a coffee, go to the office for seven thirty. Um, my gym closed before COVID mm-hmm. and I wasn't really, well, you couldn't join another gym cause there were none. And, yeah. and, uh, it was a little bit different, uh, different setup. So I wasn't super excited. So I actually had to like reinvent my, my morning routine. Um, and so, 
it was uh, basically, um, so now I'll, I'll, in order to try and stay awake where you're not falling asleep on the couch uh, every, every night uh, mm-hmm. after the kids are in bed, um, I'll, I'll, you know, get up around five thirty, six o'clock now. Um, yeah. and, uh, I'll make breakfast. Um, and then what I started to do because so in, in our busy season here this year, it was, it was like all hands on deck for May and June because we were, you know, we went from like being very concerned that we weren't going to have any business to being like, you know, double what our normal business was, but yeah. not having staff, um, to be able to handle that much business. So it's like, you know, it's back up into startup days basically where you're just working 14 hours a day. And, and after, after two months of doing that again, I was like, I got to, I got to slow down. So, um, in order to like, I think as entrepreneurs, we, we will, let work just consume us. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to have other things in your life. Like, because for me, I I don't know if I would call it like an addictive personality. I, I, that's kind of how I think of it. I don't have, I don't, it's not necessarily like, um, you know, I, 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 I've never really struggled with like drugs or alcohol or, or that Mm -hmm. kind of addiction. But I think like from, from like, I I would, I would say like, it's almost like, uh, it's, it's not just about work either. It's just like, if I, it's that curiosity thing, right? Like if I, if I find something that I'm interested in, I am, my brain will not be able to shut off until I'm obsessive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, finding something else that you can obsess over in some sort of a healthy way. Right. So like with, with golf, for example, like I've golfed since I was four years old, you wouldn't know it by watching me play now, but <laughs> I, I have, I have golfed for 30 years, but it's like something that I can actually like you, you can't be half there and play golf. It's, right. it's too hard of a game to, to not be there. So when I'm there, I'm not thinking about anything else. And it's same thing. Like I coach my son's hockey team and, um, I, I love coaching and it, again, it gives me something and I'm on, I'm on the Lums and Bethune minor hockey board and, and it just gives me something that I'm interested in that I can dig into that isn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it, it just gives me a little bit more balance, um, in, in life. So what I, the reason that I talk about that is that I started, I, I play golf at Deer Valley. I live at Craven. Deer Valley's on the way in between Craven and, and work. And so right. I started just instead of going to the gym, I'd go and hit range balls for 40 minutes or something yeah. like that before, before work and then get in and, and, and do my thing. So. So you use those things to like unwind and get your mind off of it. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- and I think, um, you know, that's, that's been the key to our growth is that like when uh, there was a period of time before I really grew out our team where we only had say like one or two full-time year round staff Mm -hmm. is that I really became kind of like, I don't know. uh, I don't know what the word is, but I, I didn't, I wasn't really excited about growing the company anymore because Mm -hmm. what I equated growth with was more work for me. And it's like, Uh, I'm not looking for more, like for more work. I'm, I'm overworked as it is, but I would like some more money (laughs) (laughs) because I'm underpaid and overworked, right? Just like everybody else. And so, but it, it's, it's being able to take that leap. I think that's probably one of the biggest leaps that we've had to take over the, over the years when you're like, when you're not, 
financially comfortable where you would like to be, mm-hmm. but then bringing on full-time employees in a seasonal business um, to be able to get you to the point where you, where you can um, you know, shoulder that load across multiple, uh, multiple people. Right. So I, th- I think that's been one of the biggest, um, you know, the, the, the biggest things, biggest shifts that, that we've had in the, you know, the 13 years of doing this is, is building the team to the point where we have, you know, six, seven year round full-time employees that mm-hmm. have been with us for a number of years that I can trust that, if I'm not there, it's okay. Like they, they actually, like when I am there, I'm, I'm getting in the way more than anything. So it's, it's my job to, um, you know, and I, and I think that's kind of like similar to coaching is you're trying to get things done through your team. And and I'm actually getting more satisfaction from seeing my staff become successful and grow yeah. into their roles right. and take on more responsibilities than, than me. Like I, I get more pumped up for, for somebody else making a sale than for me making a sale. Yeah. Right. That's, I, I like watching you guys and your business and hearing your story because, because we are very similar businesses and you're just ahead of us. So we're like, yeah. you're now seeing us make, you're talking about this transition to getting full-time people in and mm-hmm. we're like, that's this year for us. Yeah. And, and you're right, it is a it is a very nerve wracking thing to take on and a shift in the business to step away from having your hands and everything and like being like, boy, this payroll year now instead of just six months and yeah. whatever. But, um, but I know in the heart, it, like in heart, that's the right step. And so uh, it's glad to hear that you're still around after doing that. So, yeah. Well, and I, th- and I think like, uh, you know, there was, and that's where like getting back to that business planning portion, like you, you need to have some sort of tools to uh, like to create some models, to be able to see into the future a yeah. little mm-hmm. bit. Like a, a, a lot of what we do uh, in business is look backwards too much. Mm-hmm. It's, you need to also like, yeah, you need to have a, a tool for evaluating what happened, but you also need a forecasting tool to figure out uh, what's going to happen. And it's, it's figuring out what all the, like where all those whack-a-mole things are, right? Like when we were struggling, it's like, okay, well, maybe our, maybe our gross margin, our average gross margin isn't high enough. So let's do a 4% price increase across the board Mm -hmm. and you achieve it, but then you're like, Oh, well, we're still, we're still missing something. Like, where are we, where are we missing? Right. And so then you look, okay, well maybe I need to reduce payroll or maybe I need to look at expenses or, but you need to figure out how all those things work together. Right. Because, and, and not just from a profit standpoint, but you got to look at cash and you got to like, there's so many things in business that that's where a business plan, you can't, you can't account for everything in a business plan Mm -hmm. because you don't know what you don't know. So you get into something and it's like, Oh yeah, we executed our plan to a T, but we forgot about this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's where, you know, having, um, if you're going to be in business, you have to, you have to know numbers, like you, not necessarily know numbers, but you, you have to be in like lots of people, you know, your partner included. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a numbers guy. I, I go through, uh, sorry, my, my bad weight impression is coming out, but (laughs) I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on him, but like, that's like, he measures things. It's easier for him to measure things by being on the floor and seeing traffic come through the door where, but he's got you to be able to look at the spreadsheets and, and force yourself to look in and, you know, what is it like? Yeah, it felt that way, but like, 
12 of those people that came in of the 22 were actually returning things. So it felt busy, yeah, but we yeah. lost money today, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and and I think also like just getting into, you, ha you have to be able to focus on the, on the micro things at the same time is looking at the macro things like you're, you know, clouds you're, and dirt. You're, yeah, clouds and dirt. You took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. Um, so, yeah. you know, being able to look at all of the, um, you know, it's, it's good to be able to f do that feel stuff and okay, I can feel momentum. And I think that the, uh, trust your intuition and go mm -hmm. in there, but it's also like, especially when you're tight, you do have to run the financials and how is this going to affect cash? How is this going to affect profit? Um, and like, are we willing to accept what that's doing in the one year period to get to the three year period yeah. mm -hmm. and just know that this is what we're working towards. Yeah. There's for sure a lot of gut feel and emotion that's tied to the decisions we all make, but to your point, it's like, it needs to also be backed up with some facts too, with some stats, if it can be right. Like yeah. Some things, some things are purely feel, Yeah. but and a, and a lot of things you need, there's something that can kind of, kind of corroborate your, and I think a different feeling, right? Yeah. And I think at different stages, it's like in the startup phase, you do have to trust that intuition because it's like, there's nothing else to go on. Yeah. Right? You're not right? looking like, at the last five year sales. Yeah. yeah. No, ex exactly. Whereas, whereas now, like, like I said, we're, we're just, we're just a little bit more mature. We've been in the, we've been in business longer. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's much the same business model. We've just been longer. We've, we've been able to build up a, a bigger contractor base and, and, you know, our supply and, and all that sort of thing, our product lines. And, and so, but when we were first starting, it's like, oh yeah, I think we should invest $50,000 in this line of inventory and, and you know, it'll, it'll make us lots of money. And like, but you don't, you don't know that you, right. you have to, you have to trust it, yep. but then you, you have to put something in place where after a three year period or after every year you look back at, okay, well, what was my, what was my hypothesis on this and how did that play out? Well, yeah. that didn't really work. Well, why didn't it work? And, and try and use that to create better thoughts going forward. Yeah. So sure. do you have like a formal structure that you use to do that? Like yearly, like, do you have carved out time every year that you plan and like look back and look at all your hypotheses? Yeah, like because we're because we're so seasonal, we do have the benefit of like, you know, I'll I'll know what my like our year end is in February. I'll know what my year end sales are approximately going to be like in 2 months time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, in, in yeah. November, I'll kind of know what we're finishing at cuz, you know, December, January, February aren't huge months in the landscape right. business. So, um so yeah, like it, it is a um that that is a little bit of a winter th winter thing where you can take, you know, you can take and see because when you're when you're in it like even even when you have a, a team around you and and stuff like it's it is really hard when you're doing so much in such a short period of time to really mm -hmm. see what's going on and so like i've built some tools to help me so like you know my 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 team they just they just laugh anytime that i'm i'm i ask them to do like a spreadsheet or something like that because they're like we're just going to disappoint you we've seen your spreadsheets <laughs> they're going to be you know like um and so i've learned that over time of like here's here's the things that are important that i that i like not just measuring to measure but measuring on an ongoing basis like against a benchmark so i i've 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 put in a lot of work on developing um, forecast tools and tracking tools so that I'm, I, I know, you know, line by line on my income statement, what I'm looking for 
so that I have a benchmark. Like if, if, if I told you that I spent $8,000 last month on office supplies, it's like, well, is that good or bad? Like Mm -hmm. $8,000 sounds like a lot on office supplies. Unless like if you budgeted four, it's bad, but if you budgeted 16, it's good. Yeah. Right. And so, um, having that benchmark to go against, but as far as like, you know, that, so once you've, once I've built that out Mm -hmm. now, it's now it's something that I can just track. Like I can, I can, I track everything on a, like from, from a revenue side, I track it on a daily basis. Um, and on an expense side, I track it on a monthly basis just to see how, how things are going. And then I'll start to build out on next year coming up before this year ends. Right. So it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we start getting into our planning pretty much, you know, October, November for, for the following year. Right. So what's next for the rest of the show? What's your end goal? What are you working towards? We don't need you to dispel all your secrets if there are any, but where are you wanting to take this business in the next X number of years? And do you see this, like, is this a lifelong uh, adventure for you or is there an exit strategy in place? Kind of what's the future look like? Well, it's funny. Cause I, like, I, I do listen to, if you guys are looking for a podcast, uh, like a business podcast, the built to sell podcast is a mm-hmm. really, really good one where they talk about, you know, guys that have exited, uh, guys and girls that have exited companies. And, uh, um, so, I've listened to all 250 episodes over the last like few years because they're, they're just easy to binge when you got, you know, an hour on the road every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that, that is interesting to me of like, you know, could you build something that somebody would want to sell? And it's not like people hear that name and they're like, Oh, well that sounds very greedy and very, but it's like the, the idea is building a company that somebody would actually want to buy. Mm-hmm. And not just like for a job, but like as a financial investment because it works. And yeah. so whether it's like, that's my goal, whether it sells or not, that's uh, my goal isn't to sell the company. Like I'm, I'm perfectly happy making this a lifestyle business and, and, you know, just staying in it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the people that I have on my team. Um, I, I enjoy the industry. I enjoy our suppliers. I enjoy our customers. I get to wear t-shirt and jeans and shorts to work and wear a hat every day. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, like, you know, I, I haven't, I, I don't have to wear ties, like just little things like that. Like I, I really enjoy. Um, so, I'm not in, I'm definitely not in a hurry to get out of it by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm also like, I don't look at it like my, my children, right? Like if, if somebody asked, if somebody gave me, you know, offered me $10 million for my children, no, I am not, <laughs> not giving you my children. Uh, maybe one of them. <laughs> like you're a pretty busy guy. You can pick up some time and have money. Yeah. One yeah. Kid. But like, but for my, for my business, it's like, that's an easy decision. Like, yep. Take it, walk away, do something else. Um, Because I can find, like, I'm a curious person. I would find something that would interest me in some other, you know, some other industry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like, you know, this is this is something we've actually talked about in our in our tech group is like, what is your what is your purpose? Like, why are you doing what you're what you're doing, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that it's like, well, like once you once you hit a uh, a goal, you just get a new goal, right? Yep. So it's, yep. it's not, you're like, ah, I left some on the table there. I could, I could increase. Um, and so it's, it's, it's constant and, and you have to figure out why you're, you know, I think there's something innate in us that we always just want to improve and get better. Yep. Um, but you know, 
from a from a personal I've tried to come up with some sort of like you know what drives me as a person like what what is important to to me and like why are we doing this this thing and I th I think like I don't have it I don't have it clean to the point where it's like you know my personal mis mission statement but it's like I want to be financially secure for my family so that and and for my employees so that we can make an impact in our communities so it's not just about making the money for making the money's sake mm -hmm. um we aren't fancy people we don't you know we don't drive fancy vehicles we don't like it's it's just we don't go on shopping sprees and all that sort of thing so it's right. it's not about the materialistic thing like yes i would like to have some comforts and i i do like nice experiences and and Yachts. you know yeah yes yeah, boats <laughs> yeah um but uh um i think being able to be in a position where you can make an impact on people so not just um you know like i've i've seen like my staff is made up of a ton of people that had no background in landscape or or mm -hmm. irrigation right like right. um like my landscape designer has a anthropology degree and and some like sociology or something like that and and i've got a journeyman electrician as a yeah. sales guy and i've got you know a uh a, a former uh like guy that was on a track to become a greenskeeper at a golf course and somebody that's got a science degree and somebody that used to sell bathtubs and like right you know so so but it's it's rewarding to me like they all they all saw enough in my company and what i was doing that there was some sort of attraction that they wanted to come join what I like leave their life of what they were doing and what they were trained for professionally mm -hmm. and come sell paving stone and sprinkler heads. <laughs> and, and so I think like, and be happy doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I think that just being able to provide an environment for people to actually enjoy coming to work and like, not that we're perfect and we have everything figured out and there's not some tense times that we, that we go through. It's like mm -hmm. any, it's like any family. Right. But I think that that's pretty cool to me that is cool. so that they, people can actually come to work. Like I just don't, we spend so much time at work. Yep. Why are you doing something that you don't like for 50 cents more an hour or 20 grand more a year or, you know, like, like for what, why, yeah. why are you doing that? And that's not to say that everybody, like I, I wish some days that I didn't have this thing in me that needed to, you know, do his own thing and I could just be an employee, yeah. but it's, you know, it's okay to be in, it's, it's perfectly okay to be an employee and have balance in your life, mm -hmm. but you don't need to shut off a, like you shouldn't have to shut off a, a piece of your personality or, or, or yourself when you, when you go to work. Yep. Yep. So. Exactly. Um, you, before we go there, you did to get a degree. Yep. We're always curious if you were starting over again and knew that you were going to be an entrepreneur starting your own business, would you go get a degree again or advice for somebody who is coming out of high school and knows they want to own their own business? Is there still value in going to university and getting a four year degree or is there a different path you'd suggest they take? So 
I think I would still go get the degree, but probably less, two years. For, probably less oh. for the school. <laughs> Not um, eight. <laughs> like I, th- I think the, the biggest thing that I got out of school is the relationships right. out, mm-hmm. out of school. Right. So um, there's still a, like, and, and that's one thing like, life works out in, in funny ways. When I was in high school, I desperately, like the only thing that I wanted in life was to get a golf scholarship and play golf at a NCAA school in, in the U S and my brother actually did go down to the U S and played uh, college golf. And, cool. and, you know, he's got some cool experiences out of that. Um, but I, didn't I got like it became too much like a job where I didn't even like it anymore so Mm -hmm. I stayed here and it kind of felt like settling at the time but when you got into it like the the number of people that I met there in the city that I wanted to live in that I'm still friends you know that are customers that are you know business acquaintances that you know do that I'm a customer of their business or we you know we know each other um I think that's where the value comes in. Like there's, there's definitely some, like, I, I think that my business degree, like you could just cancel the first two years of jumping through the hoops of like, like why I had to take English 100 and computer science and logic and, and like, you know, even to a certain extent, like statistics or, or whatever, Mm -hmm. like that was like, I was on academic probation after two years because I just wasn't interested in what they were giving me. And, Mm. and, but for the next two years when it was like doing like business strategy classes and marketing classes and, and, you know, business finance and, and all that sort of thing, like even the accounting classes, it's like, it's, it's a little dry, but I can see how this is important to Mm. me. And, and so I think like there's, there's, and, and now like that was, you know, I, I went like 2003 to 2000, uh, I guess just into 2007. Right. So, um, that's, that's the, the, the difference now is that you could drill down on, like, if you want to learn about marketing, you go online and you learn about marketing. Mm, you yeah. can you can drill down into that stuff, and that's actually where I learned more stuff. Was like listening to people that were doing this stuff and yeah. and applying it, and then you know like and then that would come out in the school. So, um, I wish there was a more you know a faster track and a more focused track than mm. than our current university setup. Like I, as far as my kids, I don't like I. Uh, I think it's a good way to figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. and who you, you know, and like have some experiences and stuff, yep. but like for the cost of it, you could go, you know, you could go travel and have some pretty cool experiences too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, do you have an unusual habit that mm. you do that people would find weird or, a, or even a pet peeve that people don't know about you or, well, probably lots. <laughs> You're doing it right now, yeah, so exactly. Um, you'd probably if you if you ask my wife or you ask my staff, they'd probably be able to give you a whole laundry you'd be list. Like, oh, how much time do we have? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. exactly. Okay, we'll let you we'll let you step away from that one. Have you ever done a float session? Oh yeah, no, never, never, never. Have you considered it? Uh, I've looked at it and I think the idea of it is very, is very cool. I, th- I think, uh, you know, 
I I would consider my drive time similar to similar to that, where you to just kind of zone out and mm-hmm. and right. don't you know you're you're nothing. But like for me too, I I'm I'm kind of weird as far as like I can I can fall asleep in an instant like my like as as active as my brain is during the you know the 18 hours that i'm awake yep it's it shuts off just like that and it like it drives my wife crazy because she, <laughs> she takes I'm a little just ready to go yeah so yeah. but i also achieve that by not going into bed until i'm until i'm already dozing off right like if i'm yeah. not tired i'm not going to bed yeah like because if i do try to attempt that if i go to bed not tired then my brain does go and then right. i'm up far longer way than worse. if i would just yep. waited like i'm one of those guys that they say like don't read your phone in bed it's like if i don't and i'm not tired yet i'm in way more trouble like reading my phone will mm-hmm. kind of put me to sleep yeah so um you got another one you want to ask there brace uh yeah so you were talking about like podcasts and books is there anybody that you're listening to now like that's really interesting really piqued your interest he quoted um, the ultimate deck podcast. Yeah, the ultimate yeah. start. So, like, clearly that one. It's uh, you know what? Like, I, I I'm I'm interested in lots of different things. So there's like I I would say I've you know I've gone through spurts where I listen to like you know the Gary V audio experience. Like I've mm-hmm. I've listened to Gary V and watched his stuff since like before it was cool. Like 2008, like Wine Library, yeah, uh, like wristbands and stuff like that. Like back in in that. Uh, uh, realm. So I've been following him for a long time. So um, I think like the messaging gets a little bit repetitive um, because like, because it like there's, there is no secret to it. Like what, you know, what he's talking about. So, um, but all like, uh, I think even like I try and mix in a lot of local stuff. So I'm, I'm curious about like how you guys are pulling off the podcast. Like when, when I heard that you guys were doing the podcast, I, I was kind of, you know, I'd ask Wade on the golf course, like, what's your end game with the podcast? He's like, oh, I don't think we really have an end game with the podcast. <laughs> we're just kind of doing it. So, um, but I think it's a, it's a good thing to, you know, once we got talking about it, like to, to think past, to, to invest some time in something that thinks past what you're, uh, uh, what you're current, where you're currently at that you mm-hmm. could, that you could grow into and use as a platform is, is something really cool. But like, you know, uh, f- you know, the guys, uh, one of our customers actually, who does some hydro seeding in, in Moose Jaw has, uh, drive the green golf podcast. So oh, I cool. like, you know, I like listening to those guys, um, because it's, uh, it's kind of neat. Um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm blanking on, on podcasts right now. I'm also a big audiobook guy because because I yep. do all my you know, do all my driving, right? So like there's there's some great audiobooks that that you can listen to when you're road tripping or when you're commuting or or whatever. Like What would you recommend? Um there's one called the The Great Game of Business. Okay. is a is a really good one. It's like they uh I think it's like case study of like international harvester company um but it's like talking about how you get your employees engaged from the like if you involve instead of being top down like how you get them involved in the process and and uh, get them to know about um you know how to read financial statements and how their decisions every day affect financial statements and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so so that's a that's a good one like seth godden has a or godden has a, a good marketing 
uh, podcast akimbo is is good like uh school of greatness is is a is a podcast tim ferris's podcast yeah. um um th- all those things are kind of on there and then like w- i listen to some industry s- uh stuff too like our like aquascape they they have a podcast where they talk to uh uh business owners like for their their certified contractors and their distributors and stuff like that so it's like industry specific where i can actually go and like i mm-hmm. know a lot of these people right cool so, yeah yeah that's cool right on yeah i uh I, I love the i've also found um incredible value in the travel time i don't live outside of regina so my travel to and from work probably is well it's probably not much different than yours to be honest like yeah. you're on the highway it's probably only takes you 20 minutes too yeah. but um i just I swear find, less yeah that's right. <laughs> i find road trips to be thoroughly enjoyable now yeah. like when people are like oh i gotta drive to saskatoon i'm like i get to drive to saskatoon because it's half a, hours it is a chance for me to just like to know that for the next two and a half hours i can't do work so don't stress about what you're not doing at the time and turn those podcasts on mm-hmm. turn those audiobooks on listen to it lose myself a little bit uh yep. I, I enjoy it a lot yeah, and I think, and I think, like, just because the platforms are so big, like, you've got all kinds of different stuff. Like, there's, uh, I think about, like, you know, you can you can be in a business mode and and listen to something, but you can also have escapism out of them too, right? Like, I listen a lot to like Spit and Chicklets is a good mm-hmm. hockey podcast that I listen to, um, but also like uh, uh, Daddy Issues. Sprinkler daddy issues. Um, uh, Joe Buck and uh, uh, what's his name? Oliver Hudson, Kate Hudson's brother. Okay, um, yeah. They have they have a podcast together where they like they, it's they have some interesting like issues with their with their parents about like how they how they grew up and were raised and 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 different things and they just thought that was an interesting topic to explore so they get you know celebrity guests on mm-hmm. to talk about their upbringing and how they parent and how you know how their upbringing affects their parenting style and all that sort of thing so it's like that sort of thing is it's it's done, like I don't think I would search out a parenting podcast as much as you know like I mm-hmm. probably should um, <laughs> but this is done in an interesting way that you, you should maybe you should maybe do a parenting podcast <laughs> you should, <laughs> great one that's how you learn you got right? a lot on the go uh, are you good Bryce is that it I'm good like god that, this was so it's good episode two um, yeah episode two three slash three Sean thanks for taking time out of your busy day and coming in and joining us uh, is there anything you want to mention to our audience of three at this point (laughs) (laughs) well i think i think it's very cool what you guys are what you guys are doing so like i will definitely listen to it um and uh and i think you'll be surprised at how many people will listen to it because i i think like as i i think as you're starting it like with a local focus on what local entrepreneurs are are doing here Mm -hmm. um i think that's super important because in saskatchewan we have this like i don't know it's like a little brother syndrome or something where it's just like you know whether it's imposter syndrome or or whatever it is but like we do have a lot of really really smart and successful people here um that you know i've i've been very fortunate to to meet and so like i'm i'd be i'd be happy to like if, if there's anything that i can do to help you you know 
get connected with, like, please reach out and I'll try and connect you with anybody that I know that's, uh, that's interesting. But I think it's very, very cool what you guys are, what you guys are doing as far as like, just, and just ex- exploring it. It's like, well, mm-hmm. why are you doing it? Like, cause it was interesting to yeah. you, I imagine. And this is more of a passion project than anything for both of us. We just yep. enjoy this type of conversation with other people. And uh, I know that we sat down for all of like five or 10 minutes to be like, okay, well, who are some ideas of who we can bring onto this podcast? And within that time we had 40 people who were like, okay, well let's, let's pause here and yeah, start with this. Let's get those people on the podcast first. Right. <laughs> because we're also referencing people within our own bubble. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure there's people that we don't know about. So we've always like always <laughs> for two episodes now, we've told people, if you want to hear from somebody, if there's somebody, an entrepreneur that intrigues you, you know, follow us on Instagram at the other 18 podcast and, yep. re- and send us those people because we can get in touch and try to get those people on as well. Um, so you sound like you have some people in mind that you might want to do. So you should send those to us as well. And, and uh, we really want this to be interviews of people that people want to hear about. Yeah. Right. And it's not just our reference of, of mine. So thanks for taking the time for joining us today. Appreciate it. Um, any final thoughts, parting thoughts? No. Perfect. <laughs> That's a good way to end this. Peace out people. Thank Peace. you. Thank you for listening to another inspirational story of entrepreneurship on The Other 18 with Shane and Bryce. Want to be on the show or know someone who should be? DM us on Instagram at The Other 18 Podcast. Keep grinding.